Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories? This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. What is your relationship with your body? In this body-conscious day and age, that might be a hard question to hear, but it is a critical one to contemplate because for far too many of us, the answer to that question is not great. Today's guest is on a mission to have people around the globe embrace their bodies just as they are. Taryn Brumford is the person behind the global phenomenon, the body image movement, and in 2014 released a documentary called Embrace, which was viewed by over 25 billion times when it was released on the internet. The inspiration for Embrace came after Taryn posted an unconventional before and after image on the internet in 2013. It's highly likely that you've actually already seen this image because it was viewed by over 100 million people worldwide. Imagine that. Imagine putting a photo up on Facebook and having over 100 million people see that photo. This was Taryn's experience. And after the feedback that she had, she realised this was a conversation that we needed to have around the world. And she's not someone who does things by half, so she is on a mission to harness and facilitate positive body image activism by teaching women the value and the power of loving their bodies. I promise you, you are going to have a new relationship with your body after you listen to this interview with the beautiful Taryn Brumford. Taryn, welcome to the studio. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Look, there's so much that I want to dive into and the movement that, you're cre- that you've created um, that's growing and growing is, is just a massive um, movement and a big conversation that globally we need to have. You are also someone who, um, after your first child, you tell this story that you went to a PT and said, you know, what's a perfect body? What would that be like? And the PT said, oh, we'll go and do bodybuilding. 15 weeks later, you were on a stage as a bodybuilder. Um, you had an epiphany about body image and then all of a sudden you're doing a global movement. So you strike me as someone who doesn't do things by halves. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. But um, I'm really um, driven to help uh, people because when I learned to love my body, it felt like I'd won the golden ticket. And um, that's just the way I was raised, that if you've got something to contribute that can help someone, then it's your duty to do so. And, um, you know, I received thousands of emails in those early days from people after I posted the before and after photograph, um, thousands and thousands of emails. And I just saw that there was such a need for uh, a big solution to what is a big problem. So, yeah. yeah, so no this before and after photo has been seen um, around the world. Tell me a little bit about what prompted you to put that up on, post that on Facebook. Well, I had been speaking to some friends earlier that day and um, uh, they were saying that they were struggling with how their body looked. So we so often see before and after photographs where there's a woman before and she's overweight and she looks really sad and then she loses weight and she miraculously becomes happy. I was like, hey, this is not all true. So I swapped mine around just to help 
these friends that I'd been speaking to and put it on social media and, you know, the rest is history. It just went super <laughs> viral. What was, the, what was, the, was there a moment when you realised that, hey, this is more than just my friends? Oh, immediately. I right. was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And, of course, in the house, um, as, as people will see in the film, um, I, I share this moment of everything going ping, 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 and uh, the laptop and the mobile phones and then my husband going, Taryn, what have you done? Have you posted a photograph of yourself on, on social media nude? I'm like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yep, about totally that. Totally fine, don't worry about <laughs> it. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tell me about the journey then to go from that moment of the, the pinging and, and the conversation with your family to where you are now being the director, producer of this incredible documentary called Embrace. What was that? Journey well, it was it was really organic. So it's not like I ever set out with uh, an intention or a plan or a strategy around um, around the things that I've done with body image movement or the film. Um, so it's been really one foot in front of the next. And I think also what drives me is an, an insatiable hunger to help people and to do more. So it's never been enough. Um, speaking in the early days in halls to 12 people, I wanted more. Um, so I wrote a book um, and that was great, but I still wanted more. I, I wanted this message to get out far and wide and not just my story, but the many, many stories of inspiring women around the world. And um, the book then led me to the documentary and it's just it's just it's just been one thing after the next you know what what is the um uh, most powerful platform that I can get this message out onto and um, it's working so far lots of people have seen the film and lots of people are choosing a new way to experience life through embracing you talk about a moment where you kind of had an epiphany of the kind of mother you want to be for your daughter um, and the connection and relationship that you want to have with your body. Can you talk to me a little bit about what that epiphany moment was, was like for you? Yeah, so um, I wanted to fix my body, which I described as being very broken after I had my three children. And I'd planned to get a breast augmentation and a tummy tuck, and it was all booked in, all scheduled, and then I was watching Michaela playing in front of me, and I had this epiphany, which was how am I going to teach Michaela to love her body if I can't love my body? And if I have surgery, what will that do for the relationship that she has? And in that moment, I just decided I couldn't go ahead. But the, the problem for me is that I wanted to make that decision for her, but I was still left and stuck in this, what I described as a hideous body. So it was there was a real push and pull um, between wanting to be a great mum and a, a great leader for her, a great role model, um, and what my natural desires, you know, that was so powerful. I, I wanted to have the perfect body. Yeah, all of those, it's almost that, the voice in our head that kind of goes, yes, but I'll be a better mum when mm -hmm. I'm perkier and fitter and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of that as well. So how did you start that journey? Because you now describe yourself as you love your body and you're full of energy and, and you, you talked about it being a golden ticket. Mm. So so how did you navigate from from there to the golden ticket? What were some of the strategies you went down? Yeah, I think... Um uh, setting out to to get the perfect body and training for it and going to the gym and um, 
calorie counting and weighing myself and chopping up food and putting it into plastic containers and this life that I lived to have the perfect body. Once I got that body and I got into a bikini, um, I had reached, you know, this pinnacle that I'd been wanting to, to, to be at for such a long time. But on reflection, I thought, oh my gosh, this is actually making me miserable. It's too hard. It takes too much time and sacrifice and it's not fun. So um, I guess it taught me so much entering that that bodybuilding competition. But beyond that, and I, I remember being on stage thinking, everyone's looking at me and judging my body. This just seems so absurd. And the, the concept of my body is not an ornament. It is the vehicle, you know, in life, it's the vehicle to my dreams, um, really solidified in that moment. I, I, I had so many thoughts on that stage. Um, if, anyone, if, if anyone could get inside my head, you know, I was smiling and I was posing and I was walking, but inside the story was very different. I'm like, I just wanted to grab the microphone off the MC and just say, everybody stop, everybody stop clapping. Um, um, what I've done doesn't make me inspirational and here's, here's my story. But Did of course. that surprise you that that was, because I imagine you would have, you know, in that 15 weeks, even at the start of it going, okay, this is what I'm working towards. We're going to be on stage. Like, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Did that surprise you when that moment came and it wasn't maybe what you thought? Um. I think um, yes is the short answer. I, I think um, in that 15 weeks, it had been leading up to that moment, like here we go, all of this work, all of this sacrifice, all the arguments with Matt for being grumpy and all that time sacrifice, being at the gym and not just being present. I mean, truly I wasn't present in any any moment. I was always thinking about training or what food I was going to eat or what food I had eaten. Um so yeah, it's 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 um it's hard to it's hard to to sort of reconcile that I went through all of that to then get on stage and have a completely different feeling. So there were signs leading to it. I think is the is the answer. Yeah. But yeah, surprising nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, and and now I imagine that experience carries you forward in terms of the things I want to. And when you talk about, I wasn't present. Does that now come to the forefront of how you live your life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And what what would be great is if sharing my story might prevent some women from going down that path um, or realising just that it, you don't have to have the, the perfect body to be happy. Um, and, gosh, I wish I, I wish I had heard some positive stories about bodies when I was struggling, but I felt like I was surrounded by um, women having babies and it being baby bliss um, or people getting flat stomachs or yummy mummies or this really bizarre way that we value women, um, in particular after having children. Um, I wish there was more positive role models that were celebrating diversity and celebrating what our bodies have done and what our bodies do. Is that part of your drive now behind the movement? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And um, and I love sharing the stories and that's why I love making this film um, was because um, it's just so beyond me and my story and I, I love, I'm so sick of talking about myself. It's like, <laughs> I, now, now I'm on the other side of the camera. It's like, oh gosh, let me just tell stories of all these other amazing women out there. And um, I often say it's the women that I meet that nobody will ever know or no one will know their names. You know, they're the most phenomenal or inspirational or awe-inspiring people. Um, 
there's so much goodness in the world and it's just about bringing people together and using that really positive collective energy to um, take the next step towards acceptance. And I imagine some of those stories are really the um, the inspiring stories of the courage to shift that mindset, the mindset that we've been told, the stereotype, the things that magazines tell us, the the shoulds that we carry from wherever, that that what you're hearing and, and seeing that, as you say, wanting to share their, those stories is their courage to go, no, I don't want it. I don't want that story. I want to tell another story. Is there any that come to mind specifically? Like you've probably got hundreds and thousands of them, but is there any that have stuck with you of other people's stories of, of shifting their own body image? Um, yeah, definitely. And you're right. There are so many. Um, and every day we receive literally hundreds of, of messages. Um, I, I really love the stories of women who just haven't been to the beach or to the pool for years and years and years and then decide one day I'm just going to pluck up the courage to put on the bathers and to dive in the ocean or jump in the pool. I mean, they are, they're such profound moments for these people and and they're my favourite stories because they're just so, everyone can do that. And, And most women know the struggle of summer's coming, you know, and all those messages that come our way, like we've got to have our bikini bodies ready. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think what I love about all the stories that I hear is that women are making choices and women are feeling empowered because we're sharing our stories and not just all the glossy, lovely ones. Um, We're sharing everything that happens behind the scenes too. And it empowers one another to not feel alone. And um, that's a really cool feeling to go, okay, so I really hate my body and I really hate the way my arms wobble and I don't like wearing a, a, a sleeveless dress and um, gosh, when I go to the pool, I just, I think people think I'm fat or I hate myself. Like all these thoughts that women think, um, to know that that's something that lots of other people standing beside you feel too and that we don't actually have to make the choice to spend our life at war with our body. We can make a better choice and just jump in and leave it all behind. And that is so freeing. There is so much weight around um, these thoughts. They're so anchoring down. And through these steps that women are taking, and they could just be teeny tiny steps like going to the ocean and getting in the water, um, it feels so good. And then they want to do something else. Then they reflect and go, what else am I missing out on in life? And when you stop hating your body, it truly does free up a ton of space inside your mind. Did I just answer 20 questions? No, that was really <laughs> I just started right. talking. No, 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 no that's stop. awesome because I think, and you're right, I can almost, um, I almost got goosebumps thinking about that. It's those one little step. Mm. And then I can imagine, you know, and I even know for me, it is actually letting go of it. I, a couple of years ago, every year I have a word for the year, and a couple of years ago one of my words was unleash. And it wasn't anything about grand, but the biggest concept was behind it was letting go of being cool. Mm-hmm. You know, that concept of mm-hmm. we've got to be cool, you've got to be, you know, suave, you've just mm-hmm. got to look like you have it all together. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was letting that go. So that if I went to yoga and farted in the corner, that was okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> folks listening, I don't that's know right. whether that's ever okay. <laughs> no, but it was, kind of, it was totally that permission <laughs> sure, to go, sure. let's go there. Um, <laughs> To dance in the aisles, to to mm. just let go of that sense of being cool, and I think yeah, I know that revelation of when you do one, then then you almost go, what else have I given up 
mm-hmm. actually could be fun and can contribute to my life as well. So Yeah, and that's um, that's what I encourage, um, you know, women who have seen the film or come and hear me speak to do is just choose one thing that is more embracing in your life. What, what is one actionable step that you can take that that is kinder to yourself um, or promotes that, that body acceptance and unconditional love? And once they've mastered that one small thing, then choose something else. And then once you've mastered that, choose something else. And it's like growing, you know, a muscle um, and you've got to start somewhere. And I think the misconception can be sometimes um, because people see me unconditionally loving my body um, that it just happened. But but of course it didn't. Um, And what I would encourage all of your listeners to acknowledge is that it's not it's not like one day you're going to wake up after hearing this podcast or seeing the film or whatever it is and just love your body and want to strip down and run down the street naked. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, it could. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun of, fun of it did. But, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't work that way. But what everyone can do is make the choice to learn to embrace. And what does that mean? And it means um, taking, um, taking yourself down a different path. Um, with self-acceptance and self-love, self-love, you know, less less judging, just just more love for it for yourself and for others, and it truly is really liberating and freeing and fun, and. Um, I think people have gone down the road of hating their bodies, judging other people, getting caught up on this treadmill, and it's not fun. So No, and either way requires effort, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about this before we even came on air, but there's one way that when you put in the effort, it actually repays to you. That's mm. where the fun, that's where the self-acceptance kind of comes in. What are some of your, because I imagine it's a daily thing as well. It's not, uh, and you even said yourself, it's not like um, I did the work and then, that's it, I got my certificate and forevermore I will be in love with my body. Um, That it's actually there are daily self-care activities. Mm. What's in your toolkit for your own self-care? Um, gosh, I, I have um, I have many. I mean, I, I haven't had a uh, bad day about my body or negative thoughts about my body for for years now because and it's it's not to say I mean my body still looks the same. You know, I still wobble in the same parts. My boobs look the way they look when I hated my boobs. So it's not like I'm ignoring the fact that my body is that same body, if that makes sense. Um, But the relationship that I have with my body and the way I view it for all the things that it does, that's where the power is for me. Um, So self- self-care, self-love toolkit. Um, gosh, in the shower, I, I often write um, affirmations uh, when it fogs up on yep. the um, on the glass. Um, that's a fun one. Um, also taking time out, whether it's a one-minute or a five-minute meditation. I love taking my shoes off and just putting my feet on the grass. So I just, that's obviously grounding. Um, before I knew what that word was, I was like, I just like this feeling. Um, uh, that feels great. Listening to music, dancing, um, even if it's just, you know, having a hard day, as in like feeling stressed about something or being uh, really busy, which all of us, of course, are. But just uh, taking yourself out of life, taking a step back and just going, the next three minutes is for me just to shake my tush and just to, you know, feel those good vibes again. So, yeah, I, I do lots of things every day. Um, but uh, it, it 
all revolves around love and kindness. And my body um, is not an ornament. It's the vehicle. So I want to nourish it well. So I've got all this energy to do the things I want to do. I respect it. I'm so grateful for it. Last week I wrote in my... um, in a gratitude journal, which I do every now and again, <laughs> like I'm so I'm so hopeless with these things, <laughs> but that's okay. Good I, when you do that, I say it out loud <laughs> yeah. to myself anyway. Um, but I just had this moment. I've got a new puppy, um, and um, I, I just had this moment of oh, I'm so grateful that I have these arms that I used to hate because of the fat on them. I have these arms that can hold my puff uh, my puppy, and I'm I'm grateful for my nose that can smell that beautiful puppy breath. So it's just, I don't know, I'm just so in awe of this body and it will change and who knows, disease might come one day or something Something may change about this body, but at every step, I'm just going to fill it with love. And see it as a vehicle. Like yeah. It's the thing that gives us life, it carries us through mm. life. And our self-worth is so connected often to uh, our body image and even our ability to share our voice. Like I think, and particularly for women, because of the the stereotypes, the um, the messages that we get told about what, what we should look like, what we should feel like, um, and if we feel less than that, often we'll shy away, we'll hold back, we mm-hmm. won't express ourselves. And you've got an, a really um, interesting story where you, you had that experience in, in Singapore. Mm-hmm. How has that kind of shaped you now? What was that experience for you and how has that shaped? Yeah, so um, I, uh, in my early 20s, was um, working as a um, operations manager for a Fortune 500 company and we were all invited, the management team, to Singapore um, to present to everybody and our senior management. And we paired up uh, that day and I worked with um, another man. And when it came time to presenting, I just, I was just paralysed by the thought of getting up in front of people and speaking. And even in boardroom um, uh, conversations, I found it hard to raise my hand and have a voice and I'd just be super nervous about public speaking or speaking. And um, this day in Singapore, um, my uh, partner, he got up, he presented our words, you know, my intellect, some of my ideas And I stood next to him and really didn't offer anything other than just being his sidekick um, and someone just to look at because I wasn't saying anything. And later on that evening, um, everyone was at the bar and um, I went to bed early and one of the managers yelled out to me in front of everybody and said, hey, Taryn, don't forget to leave your hotel room door ajar. Oh, gosh. And I just sunk in that moment. I just... Um, I was devastated, to be honest, yeah. um, because I just thought, oh, my God, I, I just went into full panic mode. <gasps> Do people think, because I was quite young, um, mm. uh, quite a young manager and one of uh, only a few female managers. So I thought, oh, my gosh, does people think that I've slipped my way to this position or I just, it was, I was super paranoid. But mostly I was upset with myself because I thought, had I have used my voice and presented like my partner, my male partner had, um, would I have gained the respect and not had that comment thrown my way? So people see me now and consider me to be quite a, um, a confident person. And yes, I, I am, um, but it wasn't always that way. And that's taken a, a whole lot of work as well. 
And one of the most uh, profound things for me to move past, oh my gosh, I feel so angered down, I can't get up on stage possibly and speak in front of people, is just truly the fact that um, what, what I say can help people. And it's actually not about you, Taryn, it's about what you can do by sharing and uh, just taking those baby steps uh, along the way. It's not to say I don't get nervous before speaking. Um, and I certainly have these moments, the imposter syndrome. I was at Google um, uh, Google in Silicon Valley. I was invited to speak to their leadership team and I'm standing there going, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Like the lizard brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kicks in, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's it's not to say I don't get sweaty palms still, but I can get, I can move past that. And, and kick ass in a presentation now and I feel really great about it but wasn't always that way. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you sort of even made that comment that it's actually not about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I get so excited just seeing women share their voice more and more and more because if we don't, we're, we're missing out on that part of the conversation. And... Um, and I think if there are less women sharing their voice, then there's only a small part of the conversation that we're even hearing. So, yeah. but it's a big, big thing to get to that. It's not about you when, as you say, the lizard brain kicks in and it, yeah. it's all about you. It's you and you being looked at, your words being kind of pulled apart. But um, Definitely. And I think also the consideration that we, when you look at the world, we, we need to hear the feminine voice. We, we um, you know, the world needs our voice so desperately. Uh, for for us to all work together in harmony and to fix problems that are out there. So, I mean, I, I always encourage women just to step up, stand up, raise your hand up um, because we need you. We really do. Yeah, we absolutely need you. You have a, a, a beautiful kind of statement where you talk about when we're not loving our body, we almost feel like it's being disloyal to us. Like it's something, there was a certain criteria, performance review that it needed to hit and it hasn't quite hit. Um, and I hadn't heard that terminology before. And I think it's interesting that, and it, I think it sums up really well where we almost get cranky for it about mm. not being loyal um, to us. But you also describe that the fact that, you know, we might have wobbly bits on our arms or um, there are parts of our body that we kind of go, oh, it's not exactly where I need it to be, that we somehow interpret that as being a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And yet in life, in the grand scheme of life, that's actually not a tragedy. Mm. And you've experienced some tragedy with your with your brother who mm. um, who passed away and, and you know, was was a, a, a drug user. Mm. What how has that experience, I guess, carved for you about what what tragedy and also what life is about? Yeah, I mean, um, my brother passing, he was a, a heroin addict for years. And I mean, it sounds silly to even say it, but when I learned that he had passed, I, I didn't believe it. I mean, you just, even though you know the risks um, and he'd been using for quite some time, um, it, it just, it shocked me. And um, and I, I, I think, I mean, that, that tragedy um, has... Certainly, um, let me think of the word here. I mean, it's it, it certainly, um, <laughs> I can't think of the word. Um, it's, it's, it's shaped me and it's changed, it's changed me. Of course it has. Um, you know, life is, is so short and so fleeting um, and that it really did 
teach me to have uh, a lot of perspective and ha- and have gratitude for what for what is important and what isn't important and um you know, I, I I look around and and sometimes I watch the news. I try not to because it, there's not too many feel good stories mm. these days. But when we're in change rooms and jeans don't fit, and you know women are crying and 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 feeling dissatisfied and feeling angry and hurt and upset and all these things, I I kind of think you know, on a global scale, um, most of us are really truly ahead of the the game and of of human of the human race, and it's it's not for everyone. I, I wouldn't be so harsh to tell everyone to suck it up and get on mm, with it no. um, because some people suffer from anxiety and depression and, and uh, related to body dissatisfaction. That message isn't for them. But I think a lot of people could um, just take a moment to reflect what really is tragic and the amount of energy that we spend giving ourselves a hard time for ageing, getting wrinkles, putting a little bit of weight back uh, on, um, having stretch marks or cellulite. Um, and the way that we treat that and the way it anchors us down and the the way that we cry about it. I've been there, so I can say this from experience. Um, I think we're just wasting a lot of our precious time. And if we could think about what really matters and what a real tragedy is, which I think is the refugee crisis, I think it's human trafficking, I think it's the fact that every three seconds a child dies from not having food or water. I mean, to me, that represents tragedy. So um, I like to challenge people that when you're in a change room and you're, you're going to be quick to give yourself a hard time if the genes don't fit, um, that's just the way we've been raised in this social environment that doesn't support body acceptance. Um, take a moment and um, th- without giving yourself a hard time, maybe possibly think it's the genes that aren't right, not yeah, your body. Right. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, even yeah. I mean, we need stickers on every mirror in every change room across yeah. the world that it's just it's says them, not, not your you. body. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Um yeah, I mean, Taria Pitt in the film, uh, I gosh, I love Taria. And I mean, I challenge people when they're having that moment of, oh, I hate my body. Like, let Taria pop up in your mind. Yes, you yeah. yeah. Um, someone who's made a, a very uh, important choice to not let something define her. Uh, and we don't want people to wait for the big four, you know, divorce, d- disease, uh, redundancy, death to wake up. What about we just wake up today yeah. and make a better choice? love ourselves more. Yeah, and see it as a vehicle. So what is it that this can body help us, this body can help us do? We've got so much living to do and so many things to go and achieve. Mm. So one of the greatest things, um, one great thing that you have achieved is is directing this film, Embrace, and it's a phenomenal film. It's a very confronting film, which I think is so useful for us to be adding to this conversation. What are you proud of in having achieved that and now getting it out into the world? Mm. Um, Well, it was my first time directing a film, so that... um I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> it just goes to show you can actually do anything. Put that badge on. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> no, but I laugh just because, um, gosh, when you don't limit yourself, you actually can do anything. Yes, yeah. um, and even in those early days where, you know, we'd have meetings and be technical and talking technical talk and <laughs> just be like, uh-oh, I don't know what they're talking about. Let me just go Google it. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I'm proud that Embrace has connected women all around the world and that so many women are making a, a better choice for themselves to embrace. And 
my wish with this film was to start a new and fresh conversation around our bodies because I think so many of us are just so tired of hating our bodies um, and it's just so draining. And now women are jumping in the pool, going to the beach, um, wearing a dress with cut-off sleeves. Like, oh, my goodness, stop press, everybody. They're just making really cool choices and that's very fulfilling. And sharing it with other people, and that's what I love about that, the movement. How can people get involved in the movement? Yeah, so um, through social media, of course, you can follow Body Image Movement or Tara and Brumford, but also go to the website and simply put your name and your email address there because when we petition for change, whether it's advertising laws or when we have something really important to say, it's important that we have a community to get behind us because this is this movement isn't me, it's all of us together. Um, so make sure you connect with the body image movement. I think also um, taking back responsibility or taking responsibility, should I say, who do you follow on social media? Are they people that are fulfilling you and making you feel great? If they're not, have a massive uh, detox, social media detox, and follow everyone that's in Embrace because there are amazing people, maybe except the surgeon in LA. <laughs> <laughs> who tells me? Who tells me he wants to inject my butt fat into my lips? Yeah, maybe don't. One. Maybe don't follow him. Um, but everyone else, you know, follow those people that just make you feel good and surround yourself with good people. This is what the movement is about. And lastly, take action. If you can do something, it's much better than just talking about doing something. Mm-hmm. So write a letter, you know, to a company that's doing something whether it's sexualizing young girls or objectifying women, um, if you see advertising that's just rotten and stinks and doesn't have a place in our society, in our world, um, take to social media. Um, make a pact with your friends. This is a really positive one. Make a pact to commit to never speaking negatively about your body or the bodies of others. It sounds massive, and yes, it is, because we're so used to talking that way. It's become such a habit. But if we can get with our couple of best girlfriends and say, right, here we go. We're never going to do this again. Wow, that frees up a lot of time. It's huge. And having that accountability with your best buddies to pull you up when it, because it does, it slips out. Of course it does. We're human beings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To actually go, no, no more. Not enough. And it's fun too. You know, I've been in circles of friends where where we do this. And if someone says something that's not very kind to themselves, hey, 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 that's not embracing. And then the person goes, Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. And then the conversation changes. But the amount of um, tables of women that I've walked past in cafes and restaurants, and if you see me walking past a table in a restaurant, I'm not walking past the table. I'm actually stalking your conversation because I'm fascinated to know know what is being said. The amount of times I hear that it's about this diet or losing weight or I hate this or getting, you know, I need to have surgery to fix this. Oh, gosh. We, we, we have so much to contribute to the world as women and if we can just lessen those conversations a little bit, it's going to be powerful for us, it's going to be powerful for the world. And the next generation. So yes. Make a choice, indeed. get into action. Now, you are someone who absolutely gets into action. You were saying before you've been to five countries in five months or something. Yes. <laughs> and on a publicity tour. And you mentioned, you said something before that we're busy and so many people are busy. Part of the podcast, we like to kind of dive into 
how do you not lose sight of yourself even amongst the busyness? Because when we can get really clear on a purpose and we want to chase after it, the what can counteract is that we can just get so under the pump that we're not sleeping well, we're not um, we're not nourishing our body in a way that's going to give us the energy and the fuel to kind of keep going. So what are the, do you have any non-negotiables in amongst that busyness to make sure that you don't lose sight of who you are? Ooh, non-negotiables. So hmm, um, moving is really important to me. So uh, whether it's dancing or dancing with my kids or uh, walking or however I feel like I want to move, I think that's really important. Um, sleep is a big one. I try and get seven hours a night. Um, hmm. Non-negotiables. I don't have a great answer for this. I mean, sleep and moving, yeah. I think, are probably the two for me. Um, massage. <laughs> I do like to have regular massages. Um and what I think else? part of that is kind of prioritising it. You were talking about, so you were, we're chatting in Brisbane, you've just come off the stage this morning, but you even landed yesterday and that was one of the first things you did. Definitely. So I think it's also even just giving ourselves permission that we often think massage, facial, we'll do that in the holidays when I've got time off, but actually that that's part of yeah. the thing that keeps you going. And self-care is not, it's not in any way uh, indulgent, which I think a lot of women feel um, because of all that, that the whole guilt thing that they find it very hard to... Uh, be kind and look after themselves. They're so good at looking after everyone else first. But I can't be of service to others if I'm not um, looking after myself first. So always priority number one, even though I have three children, um, it's important that I look after me. <laughs> um, and even my mental health. Um, I remember once I, I went to seven countries in three weeks um, because sometimes my brain goes, I can do more than, you know, <laughs> I can do it all. Let's go. And then that's right. And I remember being in New York going, oh, I don't know what this feeling is, but it does not feel good. Um, so also just recognising and taking time out to go, okay, this doesn't feel great. How do I make better choices next time? And saying no is actually a big part of that. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Um, I get asked, because this is a global movement, you know, there are seven and a half billion people in the world and, uh, you know, every I could do an interview every day and every night, every day of this year um, just because of the scale of this. Um, but it's often about saying no and just, you know, that self-preservation um, is key. Setting boundaries, giving yourself permission to do that. Yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's not easy either. That, that's something I've had to work on um, because I'm a people pleaser naturally and I want to, um, I'd never want to let someone down. So it was always, yes, yes, yes. And then me going, oh, I don't feel good. I'm glad you guys will do, but I don't feel good at all. <laughs> Taking a piece of that, a piece that's of that so, and just feeling drained. Mm. Yeah. So through that setting, setting boundaries. If I come full circle in our kind of conversation, the name of this podcast is called Standout Life. Mm -hmm. If I were to offer that term up to you, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? What Ooh. comes up? Standout life. Ah, oh, the first thing that pops up into my head was just living an authentic life and just being you. Um, and we all just have gifts for the world that we just need to share. Um, stand out. Hmm. I don't know. This is tough. We might have not had to edit the entire thing, but we need to edit the end. <laughs> no, Joking. Totally We're going to keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> stand yeah. out. What does it mean to have live a standout life? Yeah. I think it's just living the, just being me and um, being really unapologetic um, about me. 
even when I make mistakes, we're human beings. So I think not having any rules, um, I love to break rules and um, also celebrating the fact that this is my body and it is my life and they are my rules and I do what I want to do. That stand out to me. That's a life I'd sign up for. That's amazing. <laughs> Taryn, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to chat with you. Keep sharing your voice, keep thank sharing you. your movement, and we'll put all the links in the show notes. So awesome. thank you. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose, and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.